First and Goal with Brian Weber and Nick Ferguson is live 1 to 8 p.m. every Sunday throughout the season. The NFL is on. Tune in. Let's expand the conversation. Bring in our good friend Cordell Stewart. Join Cordell Stewart and me, Brian Weber. I just said my name, but you always have to reset in radio. It's NFL No Huddle tomorrow, every weekday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Partner, I am here merely to tee you up, and I'm going to turn off my microphone. Case Keenum played well. The Vikings beat the Rams. Yeah. There's nothing else really to say about that, do we? Case Keenum! Give me a case of Minnesota Vikings. I keep telling you guys, man, look here. I'm going to go on my rant for about every bit of 10 seconds. It may go longer. I don't know. It depends on how I'm Take feeling as I talk. Take your time. Because, you know, sometimes I listen to myself. I have a tendency to find some other things to talk about as well. But let me tell you, that was that was a very good football game. I, I thought it w- was one that came down to field position. Uh, offenses were very conservative to an extent. I, I would say mainly Minnesota, and you saw the Rams trying, but they never really could find uh, anything until they had a chance to find Cooper Cup in a latter part of the second quarter. And what did you end up seeing? Anthony Harris ended up coming up with a phenomenal strip right there on the goal line, which impeded their opportunity, L.A.'s opportunity of scoring a touchdown. And then they come out in the second half uh, in the early part of the third quarter, end up getting a touchdown to go up 14-7. to But that was the kind of game that you needed to see from a Minnesota Vikings team that you needed to see from a Rams team where the Rams, we all know, is one of the most explosive offenses, if not the most explosive offense in the National Football League. That defense, who's healthy, really did a phenomenal job of being able to hold that team down to just a touchdown, which doesn't happen much this year. And again, you saw Case Keenum uh, come out and take advantage of some opportunities. You saw Thielen catch a hitch route, which is the type of day it was for both teams. You know, they wasn't giving up big plays, but they was giving up things short to where if you can find a player where they had man coverage, Fine player catch the football, you end up getting an opportunity to see Thielen catch a football, take 65 yards to the house, which created even more separation. But hats off to that defense for really playing stellar football. Offensively, that was methodical, didn't make any mistakes. In Case Keenum, as I said before, he's just basically coming playing in over his head and at the same time playing very good football to put this team in position to now be at, what, the second best, maybe the third best team? I would say the second best team in the NFC That type of football gives you a lot of confidence knowing that you do have Teddy Bridgewater there, hopefully down the road, not now, because I don't think he has football legs. But the rhythm and continuity, I wouldn't touch it. Allow Case Keenum and his Minnesota Vikings team to continue to do what they're doing because he's really playing some good football right now. Uh, Cordell, there's a lot of teams that are still trying to uh, fight for those last two wild card spots. And one of those teams, the Baltimore Ravens, today they defeated uh, the Green Bay Packers 23 to nothing. When you look back at that game, was it more about what uh, Joe Flacco and the defense was able to do, and are they a threat to anyone coming into the playoffs if they are able to secure a wild-card spot? Well, here's the thing you know about the Baltimore Ravens. They're front runners. You give them an opportunity to get out front with that defense that plays the bullyish type of football and, and mentality, uh, you end up seeing, seeing them play very well. But consistently, especially on the offense, you saw – Joe Flacco get hit pretty hard and, and looked like he was almost concussed again in a part of that game. Uh, but when you see that style of football being played, it makes you wonder at the end of the day, uh, can this team play this type of football every week? And my answer to that, honestly, I think it would be no. Uh, I'm not buying anything that Hundley brings to the table, to be honest with you. Uh, turnovers to the level of inconsistency 
that he's been able to go out and, and put up when facing pressure. You know, he's 3 of 11. Uh, I mean, two interceptions and a fumble. You know, that's what he actually ended up doing today, having three turnovers by himself. Uh, but Baltimore, if you give them the chance to find a, 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 a tunnel of light at some point in time, it's almost like that feast of famine mentality. When they get a chance to taste it and they see there's some success, they try to do the best they can and run with it. But I just think overall this team is just too inconsistent because if I had to ask the question, just watching that game or just watching them all year, Nick, and yourself, Brian, what's their personality? Like, what's their DNA? Who are they? You know, and, and I don't think no one really can give an answer to really stick their hat or even a, a sticker of some sort to that to say, you know what? This is what I'm right with because I know they'll show up. I just can't say it. I can't, I can't, I can't put my vote of confidence in it because I see other teams that could be potential teams in within uh, the National Football League or let's just say in the AFC that can be special. Yeah. Let's go let's, to let's the, talk AFC, Cordell, because yeah. somebody has to be the second wild card. It's not going to be Buffalo. So as we get ready to hear what Sean McDermott has to say postgame, huh. not what will the Bills do, what should they do? Because I, I don't have any conception of what's going on now in Western New York. Poor Nathan Peterman, five interceptions first yeah. half. What do you think the quarterback situation looks like moving forward? You mentioned the term should, and that's something we talked about on our show, No Huddle, which was I don't see the reason why you're taking Tyrod Taylor out because you're five and four and you're second in the division. For whatever reason in practice, whatever it is, Nathan Peterman, whether he fooled them or their eyes was, it was like fool's gold that this kid was a rookie drafted in the fifth round thinking he would come in under that type of pressure with Melvin Ingram coming off the edge as well as uh, Joey Bosa coming off the edge and applying the type of pressure that they did. I mean, they did it to Tyrod Taylor. They end up picking up the fumble and they end up scoring a touchdown off of it. So if they do it against a guy who's been playing some football for some time and pretty good, I mean, he didn't turn the football over much this year. What, only three turnovers, 10 touchdowns? Other than that one fumble that you could put into the turnover category, maybe other fumbles, but this one that ended up alluding to a touchdown, I'm going to tell you, man, I thought that was one of the most boneheaded moves, I think, by a head coach that I've seen in a long time, considering the position this team was in. And to watch this young man go out and throw, have three turnovers in the first quarter, which was the same amount that Tyrod Taylor has thrown for all nine games that he's played in, and then two more throughout the entire half, which is a total of five. And now you throw Tyrod Taylor back in, and now we have a quarterback situation? Are you kidding me? It never was a situation. It's just something that I think that they thought if they were moving forward to try to figure out who's the quarterback of the future, that maybe, maybe in practice, Peterman, and you can't fault Peterman because he was given the opportunity based on the, the call of the head coach, that he would go in and just play that much better than Tyrod Taylor. Where I tell you what, Tyrod Taylor brought a, a ray of light in, in the mop-up process of this game, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. They need to go back to Tyrod Taylor and stick with Tyrod Taylor because that decision that was made cost this team an opportunity to at least compete in this game. I'm not going to say they're going to lose because we'll never know because Tyrod Taylor never had a chance to start. But when he got on the football field, it was totally different football field, a football team. The energy was different. We could say it was mop-up work, but I think the rhythm and the continuity, the throws that were being made on the crossing route, the hitch route, the corner route to Shady McCoy uh, out of empty personnel, I, I thought that was the, the quarterback that should have played on the football field. And sometimes, you know, you, 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 you get caught up into what you think you should do. And sometimes coaches make decisions that cost 
the team games. And I think this was Coach McDermott. I think this was all him, 110%. It was all him. So from a prideful standpoint, yeah, they'll come out and say, yeah, we just wanted to take a peek. And, you know, the kid, we got to give him more reps. Bull crap. The reality is Tyrod Taylor should not have come out of the game until needing to, and I think it happened too soon, and that's why the ugly face of that loss showed itself because I think of a selfish move by a coach who wanted to be in total control of the destiny of his football team instead of allowing those players to go through some tough time of football. They had two losses. They had two losses, one against the Jets and the other one against the New Orleans Saints. And we saw what the New Orleans Saints did today against Washington being down by 15 points in the last two possessions of that game. We saw this quarterback go 11 of 11 for two touchdowns in Drew Brees, which for me, when it's all said and done, shows his star and the potential of this football team. That's another conversation, but it's, it's, it's troublesome to watch that today where this young man was put under that type of pressure in Peterman thinking that he would be able to come on and play better than Tyrod Taylor because maybe Tyrod's not being able to, let's just say, to convert those big throws. But yet, again, he gives you good yards with scrambling. Now, I guarantee you, when watching that, I'm more than sure there's guys on the sideline who didn't agree with that decision when we, when we saw Tyrod Taylor scramble say, man, if we only could have had that in the first half. Man, if we could have had that in maybe three quarters of this football game, it could be a, a different outcome. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Well, no, no problem. Listen, I I understand the, the rant. I mean, I've been talking about it, you know, all week, and I still don't understand it. But, you know, moving down south to Miami, another team with uh, some issues at the quarterback, and it's going to be quarterback controversy. You know, Jay Cutler throws three interceptions. He goes out with a concussion. Matt Moore comes in. He looks de- decent. He moves the offense down the field, 17-28, 282 yards, and a touchdown. If you're Adam Gase, no matter what happens with Jay Cutler, he, he gets a good, clean bill of health. Do you stick him back in the lineup? That bill helped not clean. That's three interceptions. He, he just <laughs> he. This is another situation for me that that I'm having a problem with. But you, you you bring him out of the booth. You give him a one year deal, ten million bucks. You saw Matt Moore filling for Ryan Tannehill last year. He played. He played. It was a serviceable a service serviceable performance by him. Yeah, they went on the road and got beat in the first week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who didn't get beat in the first in the first game of the playoffs last year at the play? And we saw Oakland team that played good got beat. We saw a Detroit team that got beat that played some good football during the regular season. But you bring in Jake Cutler, and what does he end up doing throughout the entire year? He hasn't done anything to tell me. One, I don't want to take food off his table, but deserving of that $10 million, and most importantly, not giving Matt Moore a true opportunity to at least compete and practice against Jay Cutler to give you an idea. So what does he end up? He ends up going out and going 17 to 28, throws a touchdown, and yeah, Jay Cutler, he ends up throwing three interceptions. Quarterback controversy, that's a prideful move again. There will not be a quarterback controversy because if his bill of health from a concussion standpoint is good, he's going to go back in and it's going to be what Adam Gaze wants, plain and simple. And to me, again, this is another coach that's screwing it up. He's screwing it up at his own at his own admission because he feels like this is the direction that he wants to go in. So because of that, this team looks average at best and is a much better football team than what it's displaying so far. 
So with that being said, Matt Moore should be back to the should conversation with Buffalo. And what should they do? This is another case in Miami. What should they do? They should go with Matt Moore regardless. Regardless if you gave him the money. You know what? The money is dead money and it's gone. It's in his pockets. The kids are going to Disney World probably 10 times after the season's over because of all that good money along with the other money. He will probably won't get back in the booth because he'll have to explain himself because of how he turned those guys down. You got Charles Davis doing a phenomenal. They don't need him up there. We saw Greg Olson up there. I'm just disgusted with these coaches. You know what? This week was a great week of, of, of a display of how coaches can screw it up. And there's two coaches, Adam Gaze and, and Coach McDermott up there in Buffalo. He's looking on the sideline. He looked red. He looked ripe and red the entire time when watching that game. And all of a sudden, you want to give Tyrod Taylor that? I would have ran all the way on the opposite side of the sideline on the back of the water. I would have knocked the coolers down just the same way as Antonio Brown did. Tell him why you're mad, son. Tell him why you're mad. I'm just saying, man. It's just a problem. You have a short week with the holiday coming up, but I need this passion tomorrow. (laughs) Cordell Stewart, my co-host, we take you around the league every day. NFL, no huddle weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn. What about the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, oh my goodness. Andy Reid, 16-2 and in his career, coming off a bye. They go to the Meadowlands. They lose to the Giants in overtime. My Cordell, goodness. have the Chiefs been exposed? They've now lost four or five. Yeah, they, they've been exposed. I, I, I think, honestly, uh, and, and this sounds crazy. This really sounds crazy. I think the West and the AFC, I don't want to see it's wide open, but the door is open. No, it's there's, wide open. The a, Chargers are still very much alive. There's a crack in that door that's so wide open, and I think someone put WD-40 on the hinges because it won't squeak. <laughs> that thing is just going to open up so good. It's going to be so smooth like that the house was just built. Nick, you understand? It, this, this, is, this is one of, I would say, maybe so far the biggest collapse of any team in the National Football League that started out the way they did. And now seeing them where they are at this moment in time, not the Giants. The Giants is not a collapse. They just fell apart before we even started. But this football team right here in the Kansas City Chiefs, everything that they've accomplished right now has been somewhat done in vain. I mean, there's two interceptions that the quarterback ended up throwing. I think right now what he has three on the year, and I think he's done throwing interceptions in back-to-back weeks. The first time starting last week, I think he threw an interception and um, end up, putting himself in position to not have success, and then here it is again. They do it again. So I'm just like, you know what? This football team in in the Kansas City Chiefs right now, um, they're finding ways to lose games because when you lose to the Giants, my goodness, they couldn't convert anything. They couldn't stop it. It was a field goal fest. You know, I mean, it's it's like family reunions. You know, everybody eat the good stuff. This guy, he said they're making field goals all over the place. Like this was the day for the field goal kickers. And how about the field goal kicker from Minnesota? Why, why is he missing those field goals? I'm That's sorry, a very good question. We brought it up with Greg Coleman, <laughs> former Viking punter. Actually, Nick did it. Normally, I am the caustic one. Nick just observed, hey, Greg, we know about the top five defense. <sighs> Case Keenum playing well. How about four bath? And Greg was not pleased with the tone of that question. But, Cordell, if we're looking for a flaw with the Vikings, we should be talking about special teams, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is, to me, that right now, is the Achilles heel, I say, of this football team. Because i got to be honest with you. You know, Kendricks to Smith, Harrison Smith, uh, and all the defensive players along with McKinnon and and Murray, who ran really hard today. Uh, Thielen, obviously, was the star of the show uh, when he came down to it. Uh, Obviously, Harris, when he came down to Harrison, when he came, Anthony Harrison, when he came down to the breakup on the goal line on Cup when he was going in, which could have turned the entire face 
uh, of this game completely around. Um, they're doing every single thing right. But when it comes down to four bath, he needs to take a bath because he's thinking right now because he's missing. I mean, that was six points he left on the board. That's six points, correct me if I'm wrong, that he left on the board to where if the Rams go and get that go-ahead touchdown by Cup, now you're really having a conversation of the what-ifs. And, and, and now all of a sudden, maybe you may get into that conversation of trying to go to Teddy Bridgewater because now it, and it won't be done at his hand. It'd be done at the hand of the field goal kicker not being able to make everything. Now, it's not saying everyone has to be perfect. It's just basically saying just do your job. And if you have a little... You know, a little something you have to kick between the uprights, man. Go ahead on and, and make it happen. I mean, right now, to me, you know, I, I think we had someone on or I may have seen it on maybe one of the networks, rather NFL network probably, and the question was asked about flaws. And I have to be honest with you, there's two teams that I haven't seen any flaws with so far. It's the Philadelphia Eagles to where if you try to pick out something that's a flaw, offensively, defensively, and special teams, there's really not much other than just a lack of execution. When you think of the Minnesota Vikings, and this is just real talk. I know some may say Case Keenum, but Case Keenum is not the problem. 27 and 38, 280 in a TD. When you break this down with the flaws of this football team in Minnesota, the question is, what is it? It's four baths with the field goal kicking right now. And, you know, maybe it's the last couple weeks, last two of the last three weeks, or, you know, two games out of the last three weeks where he's missed what happened to him a few years ago when playing against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and that they guy's were wide right. now. Blair Walsh, you make yeah. a great point. Cordell, our mantra is do your job. We're stealing from the Patriots. My job is to thank you. Yeah. Look forward to chatting with you tomorrow. Sure. The NFL is on TuneIn. First and goal with Brian Weber and Nick Ferguson. Hear every score as it happens live every Sunday throughout the season from 1 to 8 p.m. Eastern.